finding the book of Acts chapter 18. We'll begin to read this morning verse number 18. And this morning I want to speak to you on this subject, pressing on. Pressing on. Acts chapter 18, we'll begin to read in verse number 18. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can and are able, in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's word. We're in Acts chapter 18, begin to read in verse number 18. The Bible says these words, So Paul still remained a good while, then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off at Centria, for he had taken a vow. He came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they asked him to stay a longer time with them, he did not consent. But he took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. And when he landed at Caesarea and had gone and greeted the church, he went down to Antioch. When he had spent some time there, he departed and went over to the region of Galatia and Phrygia in order, strengthening all the disciples. Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when, and when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. For he vigorously refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the Scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would speak to us, challenge us, and encourage us. And Father, though it is wet and it is cold and it is depressing outside, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit will warm it up in here. And Father, I pray that through the preached word this morning, your spirit would challenge us concerning being faithful in these days. God, I simply pray as we do each week, Father, if there's one here who's never been saved, that, Father, they'll turn and trust Christ today. Father, you'll encourage those who name the name of Christ, who have chosen to repent and trust you to be Lord of their life at your invitation. Father, I pray that you will encourage us as we seek to live on mission in these days. And these marks of commitment, and maturity and growth that are found in the life of these four individuals. God, they will mark us as we press on in faithfulness every day until by grave or air we see your sweet face. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And I'll invite you to be seated. You know, every day was a new opportunity for Paul uh, to press on in faithfulness. I mean, every day the sun rose. Because Paul may be like some of you in here. I can certainly speak to this. Paul had regret about wasted days. He looked back on parts of his life where he had not lived in full surrender uh, to Christ's lordship because he didn't know him. Uh, he lived out what he knew vigorously, but in Acts chapter 9, the Lord showed him really how lost that he was and how much he, he needed him. And he surrendered to Christ's lordship, the mission that God had called him to, and Paul simply sought to make the most out of every single day. He never settled or sat back. Uh, the word retirement would never really enter in to Paul's mind. He wouldn't retire from ministry. He didn't have a bucket list. He didn't have a, he didn't have a backseat plan. He didn't tell God things that he was going to do. He simply sought 
for the Lord's leadership over his life. You know, Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 8 through 13 Uh, Paul wrote it this way when he thought about his life and all the things that he accomplished for the positive and then sadly all the things for the negative that Satan tried to use through condemnation to hold him back. Paul said, yet indeed I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord from whom I've suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is through the law but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is by God through faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul says he he counted all those things lost and chose to press on every single day to move forward in faithfulness, serving the Lord. Don't you notice this? His faithfulness didn't just affect his life. It it impacted others and the lives of those that were around him. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 11 and and verse number 1, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Again, Paul was living on mission, reaching who he could reach for Christ, but he was also seeking to teach and encourage. And he said, you look at me. He says, and you do what I do, for I'm living out the doctrine that I'm preaching and teaching. That's one thing that I've learned over the years to really appreciate about the book of Acts is that it's really a tutorial in Great Commission living. You know, the epistles, they really give us, it's, it's an instruction manual. It, it tells us the things that we're to do, but when you get to the book of Acts, you, you really see a tutorial of how to do them. You know, it really wasn't to the advent of YouTube that it really made things a lot easier to do. I still remember, you know, when instructions came with pictures, you know, and it would see C part A, and there would be a guy, you know, holding a wrench up to a part. And you didn't know what direction you were supposed to turn, twist where it was supposed to go. But now you can see videos, and you can watch someone go through the process of actually doing it. And that's what we have in the book of Acts. We're able to see the lives of faithful disciples living out their faith, pressing forward every single day in faithfulness. I want you to notice this morning these four people who are spiritually growing and who choose to press on every day in faithfulness by, number one, actively living on mission. Number one, they were actively living on mission. A lot of information here. We're going to move fast. Verse number 18 says, So Paul remained a good while, and then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. So he was staying in Corinth. He was there for a year and a half. He stayed, uh, remained for a good while, and then he leaves. He moves on now uh, to Syria. It's always, it's always on to the next town. That's what it was for Paul. Who, who are the next people that I can begin to share with? And Aquila and Priscilla are with him. Verse number 19 says, when he came to Ephesus, he left them there. And remember, this was a friendly church. This was a church that cried when he left, we're going to see in just a, a couple of chapters. I mean, they really loved the Apostle Paul. He was among friends. He came to Ephesus. He left Aquila and Priscilla there. But he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. So he left the company of those who really wanted to hear what he had to say and went to a place where they didn't want to hear what he said. Why? Because of those Jews needed to hear that Christ had come and they needed to repent and trust him to be Lord of their life or they were going to die and go to hell. See, Paul was faithfully 
living on mission. So he heads to the synagogue where people need to hear this. And then verse number 22, he sailed again. He lands at Caesarea. He's gone up and greeted the church. Now he's going down to the church at Antioch, verse 23. Now he spent some time there, but now he's departing to go to the region of Galatia and Phrygia to all of those churches that are there, many that are represented in the book of Galatians. What's he doing? In order, visiting them, strengthening the disciples. He's preaching the gospel to the lost and to the disciples. He's seeking to strengthen them in their faith. How did he do that? How did Paul strengthen the disciples? The same way we seek to do it every Sunday night, through doctrine. Through, through the teaching of God's Word and teaching people how to apply it to their lives. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, uh, verses 6 through 10, the Apostle Paul... Uh, I went to the... Hold on one second. I'm going to find it. Uh, Verse number 6 says, But now Timothy has come to us and brought us good news of your faith and your love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us. He says, And we also hope to see you. Therefore, brethren, in all our affliction and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. Paul says, Now listen, now we live if you stand fast in the Lord, and what thanks can we render to God for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake day and night, praying exceedingly, now listen to what he says, that we may see your face, Paul says, we're praying God will let us come back to Thessalonica and see you that we might perfect what is lacking in your faith. And how is he going to do that? Through doctrine. Just to continue to preach God's word and to teach God's word and to live it out. How did all this come about? How was Paul reaching people? How was he he getting to churches and teaching God's word that they might grow and be encouraged? Friend, he daily got up and he chose to actively live on mission. It was a choice that he had to make. He could have found a hole and just retired. I mean, I guess there was probably a village somewhere that he could have gone and just retired to and just sat on the rest of his life that he had and done absolutely nothing for Jesus Christ. But he wanted God to take his life and to use it and to accomplish something powerful through it. And it impacted others. Look at verse number 18. Priscilla and the quill of the Bible says we're with him. He's met two people, uh, chapter 18, verses 2 and 3 of the book of Acts said, who had been exiled uh, because of their faith in Christ. They were because Claudius had commanded the Jews to depart from Rome. So Paul found them through the province of God. They were Christians. He joined them, himself to them because they were tent makers by trade. And so they've encouraged Paul. Paul's encouraged them. And so they're partnered these two ways. Verse number 22, he departs for Antioch and he leaves them in Ephesus. And so here they continue. Well, they don't say, well, we'll just sit here on our hands until Paul gets back. You know, I've met some churches before that were preacher worshipers. It's all about the preacher. You know, we follow, we follow Brother Bottle Stopper. You know, and I listen to him. You know, and it's all about Brother Bottle Stopper. And friend, really, what you've got then is a cult. Any group of people that worship a man, it's a cult. And so God, God calls pastors and deacons and leaders and Bible teachers for the equipping of the saints. But friend, the, the head of the church is not a pastor. The head of the church is not a deacon. It's not some boss hog family. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so they weren't sitting on their hands saying, well, we're, we're just going to wait for Paul. It's a problem that popped up in the church of Corinth that Paul's going to have to deal with in chapter 1 because many people were following Apollos. Some said they were of Paul. Some said they were of Peter. And Paul says, I'm, God forbid, says, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. And so Aquila and Priscilla, they're on mission. Paul has blessed them. He has trained them. He's helped equip them. But God has ministry for their life. And so Paul's gone on where the Lord wants him to be. They remain in Ephesus. And in verse number 24, look, there they are ministering every day. And the Bible says they meet a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man, and mighty in the Scriptures. Now he's come. And so Apollos is trying to tell people how to come to Christ. But here's, here, here's the problem. Apollos didn't have an updated map. He was trying to tell people how to get to Jesus Christ, but he didn't have the update. I'll see if I can give you an illustration. About 10 years ago, before I ever had a smartphone, I drug my feet kicking and screaming into the smartphone age, and now they've got one. I wish I could go back sometimes to a flip phone. I, I had a bag phone in college. They were great. But anyway, he did, about 10 years ago, Melissa and I purchased one of these little Garmin GPSs that you'd lick the back of and stick to your windshield. Any of you ever have one of those? And you'd plug it into a cigarette lighter, and then you'd have to, you know, and you were mad before you even started your trip because you never could get the address in just right. Well, Melissa and the children had written down with my mother and daddy to Charleston. And uh, I had to preach on that Sunday and Sunday night. And so I had some business on that Monday morning, and then I was going to head down on Monday evening. Well, I typed in the address where they were going to be in, in Charleston. And I began to head down through there with my GPS. But there was a problem. They had redone some roads and built a new overpass after they had made the GPS. And so it was dark. It was raining. And I remember it was going up over the Cooper River and, and coming down. And we were, we were going around all these different directions. And I was just following my GPS. And all of a sudden, the road where I was supposed to turn, it wasn't there. And I ended up down the dark street and in the wrong place, and I started to get very cranky. Because one, I don't like the beach anyway. Two, it was dark, and I was in downtown Charleston, and I didn't know where I was. What was the problem? My GPS hadn't been updated. See, it didn't have all the information. I found out later you could take it and plug it into a computer, and it would update. Apollos had been baptized with the baptism of John. He believed everything that John had preached and taught. But what Apollos didn't know is that Jesus had died on the cross and Jesus had rose again. He only knew as far as John what had happened. He believed it with all his heart. He believed all the scriptures that spoke about Christ with all his heart. He was just like all the Hebrews 11 saints. He believed and had faith, but he didn't. Have the update. But look what happens. The Bible says he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Verse 26 says, And Aquila and Priscilla heard him, and they realized something wasn't right. And so living on mission, they're pressing on every day. They're living on mission. The Bible says they take him and explain the way more accurately to him. What did they tell him? They told him that Christ died, Christ rose from the grave, and salvation is found in no other name except when one repents and by faith trusts Jesus to be Lord of their life. And they led him to faith in Jesus Christ. He got saved. They're actively... I mean, how did that happen? 
I mean, how did they know to talk to him? How did, how did, how did they sense that they needed to do that? Friend, it's the same way that someone catches a fish. They, they go fishing. No one sits at home and catches a fish. It's only the person that decides to go fishing. And so they went fishing for men that day. And the Spirit of God began to speak to their heart that this guy needed to hear the truth. And so they share with him. He gets saved. He's so impressed by, by their boldness. Look what the Bible says in verse number 27. So after he's saved now, after he's got the, the whole story, he's received Christ, he desires to cross over to Achaia. He writes to the brethren, exhorting, and they write and exhort all the disciples there to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. He encouraged them. He says, I just want to tell you how faithful God's been. Here's some fruit. He says, I'm an apple. He says, I'm fruit. He says, if you've prayed for missions, if you prayed for Paul, if you prayed for Priscilla and Aquila, he says, if, if you've prayed that somebody that just had the baptism of John would get saved, he said, here I am. I'm here to encourage you. And then verse number 28, he pressed on in faithfulness, actively living on mission. Look what the Bible says in verse number 28. He vigorously refuted the Jews, publicly showing from the Scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. And so here are four followers of Christ, daily, actively, Pressing on in great commission faithfulness. You know, that's a good question to ask this morning. You know, am I doing that? They did. But is, is it a desire and is it a commitment of mine every single day when I head out from my house? And can I say again to parents and grandparents, evangelism starts inside the house. That's where evangelism is. Is it a commitment in, in my life? to reach my family and all those that I'm going to come in contact with throughout the day. They pressed on faithfully living on mission. And number two, they pressed on not only by actively living on mission, but secondly, by acknowledgement and obedience to God's specific will. Acknowledgement and obedience to God's specific will. That is, to know God's will and then to do God's will. You know, to know it really doesn't do you any good unless you put it into action. So they wanted to know what God's specific will was for their life and to be obedient to it. Let's go back and look at how this affected the Apostle Paul. In verse number 18, Paul knew when it was time to go. He, he had been at Corinth for a while, and now it's time to leave. Verse number 19, he's moving on to Ephesus. Verse number 22, he's moving on to Antioch. Verse number 23, he's in the region of Galatia. And Phrygia, all those churches that are there. Uh, how, did, how, did he, how did he know when to go? He was praying for God's specific will. He had taken his calendar and he gave it to the Lord. And when God said go, he went. When God said stay, he stayed. And it impacted those that were with him. In verse number 2 of Acts chapter 18, Priscilla and Aquila, they had been ran out of where they had been living there in Italy and, and here they came to Corinth. How did they know to do that? Because God laid it on their heart. They knew that their time was, there was up. They knew that God was tearing their nest apart. They knew that God had ministry for them somewhere else. They began to sense his direction to go to Corinth. And they, they came to Corinth. And there they met the Apostle Paul. Verse number 18. How did they know to leave Corinth and go with Paul? Because they were seeking God's will and they obeyed it. They wanted to know. Their great desire was to daily be in God's will. Therefore, knowing His will was a priority. You know, the author of 
Proverbs in chapter 3, verses 5 through 6, gives us great instruction in how to do that. He says, this is one of my, I remember this is one of the first passages of Scripture I learned uh, as a youth. There was a little song my youth leader had that we would sing to it and, and to help us memorize it. But the, but the Bible says, trust in the Lord, in the Lord, with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. How, how can I know God's specific will for my life? Well, trust in the Lord. Just put all your trust in Him, that He has a plan, John 10, 10, an abundant plan for your life. With all your heart, not part. No compartmentalization of your heart. You give all of your heart, all of your life to Jesus. Don't lean on your own. Well, I just think. It's not about what we think. It's not about feeling. And I'm so glad I don't hear anybody around here say this, but I, other churches, I've heard people say, well, God, if you'll just give me a sign, I've, I've laid out the fleece. I want to tell you something. You lay out dry fleece, a dog may come by during the night and make it wet, and you'll think God spoke to you. I want to tell you something. The devil can give you a sign, but he can never give you the peace of God that passes all understanding. I heard so many people say, well, I was just, you know, I was just, I was just wanting to hear a sign, and all of a sudden, you know, see some. I looked up, and there was a billboard from Nike that said, just do it. And God was, God was speaking to me, Brother Chad. And what they were saying, friend, was completely contrary to God's Word. Living your lives by feelings and signs. No, we pray for peace. We don't lean on our own understanding. Then God will direct our paths. And so every day they acknowledged and they, they, they wanted to know what God's specific will was. They acknowledged it and then they, they obeyed it. That's why the Apostle Paul could say in verse number 21, the church at Ephesus wanted him to come back. They wanted him, I, mean, they, I mean, the church wanted him to stay. And he says, well, God willing, I'll come back. God willing, I'll return. I want to come back, but it's really not my decision. It's God's will. It's God's will. And that's the way we're to fill out our calendar. God, God willing. But so often I hear people say, well, now we're going to do this, 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 and this. And sometimes I want to talk to them and say, have you prayed about that? Have you let God fill in your calendar? Because Paul and Priscilla and Aquila, they sought God's will in everything. They, they wanted to know where God wanted them to be. And then secondly, they prayed for God's specific will and what God wanted them to do. So they were where they were supposed to be, but when they were there, they wanted to be doing what God wanted them to do. Verse number 18, we see that Paul, Paul had taken a vow. What it was specifically, we don't know it, but he had taken a vow in Corinth. Numbers chapter 26, verses 1 through 21, really lay out all the things that are involved in a Nazarite vow. And this would seem that this is what he's taken, a Nazarite vow. For now he's having his hair cut off. Well, Numbers chapter 6 says part of the fulfillment of that vow, the completion, is to be done at the door of the synagogue. And so is that what's taking place in verse number 21 where he's, he's keeping a feast in Jerusalem? We really don't know. But we do know that that's where God wants him to be, is to be keeping this feast. And what it is, is it's an opportunity to witness to the lost and to encourage the saved Jewish believers who are going to be there in Jerusalem. So Paul wanted to be exactly where God wanted him to be, but while he was there, he wanted to be doing what God wanted him to do at that, at that very moment. Uh, verse number 26, we see Aquila and Priscilla. Again, their own mission. They know where they're supposed to be, and they recognize what they're supposed to be doing for the day. I want you to listen to me and pay attention on this. 
You know, it's, it's, impo- it's possible that you can drive all day and all night and not go anywhere. Do you know that? I mean, it's possible. You could drive out of the parking lot right out here, turn left on the Snow Hill Road. You could go all the way out to Mayhem Gap, make a left. Drive all the way to Highway 58, make a left. Drive all the way down to Greenwood Road, make a left. And then end up right back restarted. And you could do that all day and all night. You could tell everybody, I have driven all day and all night. And you didn't go anywhere. You didn't go anywhere. It's possible you can go to work and sit at a desk all day long and not do one bit of work. Just sit there. A friend I had at a church and we pastored in Gadsden, he told me about a fellow that went down to a steel plant. They ended up closing it down because people had the same work ethic. He'd go in, sit in a wheelbarrow every day and sleep his entire shift daring, daring somebody to fire him. He went to work every day but he didn't do anything. And so these individuals, friends, they just didn't want to be on mission. Oh, I'm on mission. They wanted to go somewhere. They wanted to do something. They wanted to accomplish something for the Lord. There's a lot of churches, friend, that are just driving around in a circle. I want to tell you something as pastor of this church. I want us just to do ministry, to drive in a circle. I want us to accomplish something for Jesus Christ that makes kingdom impact that changes people's lives. I want my life to have that kind of impact. I want my family to have that kind of impact in the community in, where, in which we live, not just to drive in a circle all our life. You know, we're, we're driving, but we never go anywhere. Paul went somewhere, and Paul did something. Aquila and Priscilla, they, they went somewhere, and they, they did something. Verse 26, they took note of Apollos, and God began to speak to their heart and say, listen, He knows Scripture, but he's lost. He's never received Jesus Christ. What was God's will for Apollos? 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 and verse number 2. Behold, now is accepted time. Today's the day of salvation. God wanted Apollos to be saved. And if you're here today and you've never been saved, so I wish I just knew what God's will for my life was. I can tell you right now what it is. Be saved. That's God's will. Friend, listen, you can say, well, I want to know after that. You can't get to step two before you start on step one. You've got to be born again, John chapter 3, verse 7. That's God's will for your life. And so they pressed on every day in faithfulness by acknowledging and obeying what God had called them to do. And then that kind of, that kind of life and that kind of pattern, it impacted Apollos. Verse number 27, he followed Paul and Aquila and Priscilla's pattern. He, he begins to go. He says, God, where do you want me to be? Okay, you want me to be down in Achaia? That's where I'll be. And then we find him in chapter 19, verse 1. Now, he's, he's in Corinth. He's witnessing for the Lord, making an impact on his community. Now, that's a good question that to ask again. Is, is that the pattern of my life? As we press into this new year, have I given God my calendar, and friend, all of it, not the... We, I, I got so frustrated yesterday. I was, I was putting uh, a birthday of my cousin for my cousin in my calendar, and I turned over in, in June, chapter, June 1st, it said first day of Gay Pride Month. I was like, well, I didn't put that in there. And I'll tell you, put the, 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 an update on my phone put it in there. It was, it was already filled out. When, when I got my phone, it was already on there. Whoever made the phone, whoever had the software, they they. Filled that out for me. So I spent the next hour researching how to get it off my phone. And after 60 frustrating minutes, praise God, it's 
gone now. And I want all people to be saved, but that's the last thing I want to celebrate or look at during the month of June. But you know, there's a lot of people, they've filled out their calendar just like that. Now, God, here, here's my calendar. But now, I'm just too tired to come back on Wednesday night, God. Well, now, if there's food, I'll come. So that's filled out. I'll come. And now, God, I'll serve, but now I'm not going to do this, 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 or this. But, God, here's my calendar. You take it and fill it out. My friend, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you really want to know his will and you want to do his will, you don't give God stipulations and say, God, I'll serve you except for all of these things. You give your life and say, Lord, what would you have of me? I want to know your will, and I want to do your will. And again, I'm always amazed. You know, everybody will amen about the homosexuals, but it gets quiet when we get down to lordship of one's life. Quiet! There not be hats on during the Star Spangled Banner. Can't celebrate any homosexuality. No, sir, we're, we'll shout that. But what about lordship? Why is there not the same enthusiasm over that? That everybody in the church will whole life, their whole family, and this church will be surrendered to Christ's lordship in all ways. Apollos' was, Aquila's was, Paul's was. They knew what God's will was, and they wanted to obey it. Number three, they pressed on in faithfulness by abandonment of comfort and convenience. They abandoned comfort and convenience. We don't, I'm glad we don't hear about it as much, or maybe Scotty just doesn't tell me because it frustrates me, but I think one of the things that wears us out in the church, you want to know what the number one thing that wears us out in the church is? A thermostat. It's too cold or it's too hot. Some poor sister's going through the changes of life, and she's, she's burning up, and you can't get it cold enough. And then they leave the door open, and the wind's getting sucked back, you know, and some lady's putting her hood on. Everybody just mad and upset. Friend, how about, don't, don't you think Christians in China, they'd be glad to come sit on any pew, no matter how hot or cold it was? You think they'd complain what Sunday school room they'd had to go to? We want to take care of those that can't walk. Do you think, though, that, I mean, that they'd really just pitch a fit if the door was locked to try to keep somebody from a gun coming in and killing us? No, they'd just be glad they could come to God's house and worship with God's people on God's day. But if everything's not lined up just right, it's not just exactly comfortable and, and so convenient, if it's not just, well, I mean, we live in such a drive-through world now, you know, we've got to have everything just right. We're all quitting, quit and leave. Well, these, these people, they didn't care. It's evident from the text that none of these four people gave any thought about their comfort or convenience. They just wanted to serve Jesus Christ. They wanted him to be pleased with their life. Verse 18, Paul departs from Corinth for the unknown but the known. He knows the next town he goes to. He knows several things. One, there's going to be lost people there. Two, there's going to probably be a few believers that can encourage him. But three, he knows this. He's going to get a beating. Every town Paul goes to, he knows he's going to get a beating. And he doesn't care. He just, he just picks up and departs for the unknown and the known, and he just moves on. And listen, and being with Paul's dangerous. I mean, everywhere he goes, he, he, you know, somebody's mad at him. And, they're ready to be, and so he looks at Priscilla and Quill and says, hey, 
um, y'all want to go with me to Ephesus? And they're like, sure. Because we've been praying and God's led us that that's what we need to do. We need to be here to help support you and to encourage you. And so that's, that's, that's what we're going to do. We know you're going to take a beating. We know we're going to be dragged in with it, but we don't care. We're, we're going with you. And, and so the, the Ephesian church loved him, verse number 19. He gets there, and, and he could have stayed there and just and not, not taken another beating. Everybody loved him. I mean, literally, they cried when he left. I mean, they, they wept openly and, and hugged him. They, they loved him so much. Well, he departs for there to Jerusalem where he knows people. I mean, listen, there are wanted posters in Jerusalem. Get this guy. And he doesn't care. Why? Because comfort and convenience doesn't matter. All he wants to do is be in God's will. He wants to be faithful to what God has called him to do. Nequila and Priscilla, they begin a ministry on their own now without Paul's guidance. Now the training wheels are off. Paul's not there. Can you imagine how easy that would have been to do ministry with Paul? Sure, there were the hardships, there were the physical challenges. Like, what do you want us to do now? All right. I mean, you're with Paul. Whatever he wants to do, you know, just, just do it. And it's going to work out okay. Well, now he's gone, and they've got to begin to do ministry on their own. But they didn't care. They stayed. And they began to stretch their wings and let God direct them and guide them. Verse number 25, Apollos goes to the, to the Achaean regions and to Corinth. He goes back to Corinth, friend, and the Bible says, vigorously refuted the Jews publicly. Well, good thing nothing bad ever happens to anybody there. We'll look back in verse number 17 of chapter 18. Ask old Sothenes how it worked out. The Bible says that then all the Greeks took Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him before the judgment seat. But Galileo took no, no notice. The, the law just looked the other way. They saw this guy get absolutely beaten to death, and they just looked the other way. And that's where Paul says, hey, where, where's that crowd at? Let me at them. He says, I want to go witness to the crowd that beat up that guy Sosthenes. I want to tell them how they can be saved. He absolutely cared nothing about comfort or convenience. They had no impact upon their lives. And I just believe with all my heart that as the Holy Spirit of God impressed the Apostle Paul to write a letter to the church at Philippi, in Philippians chapter 2, begin reading verse number 5, this, this was the mindset that guided Paul in all of those things. Listen, this is one of my most favorite passages of Scripture. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. That is, friend, he took all the visible, the, all the visible elements of glory and set those aside. He made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. Jesus pushed away comfort. Jesus pushed away convenience, and he came to this sin-cursed earth and endured agony and in shame that he might be obedient to the will of God. And because he loved me and he loved you, he was nailed to a cross that we might be set free from sin's penalty. Praise the Lord. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says, Let this mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. 
I believe that guided Paul. Paul didn't want to take a beating, but he wanted to be like Jesus and be obedient to what he called him to do. So my prayer, friend, is that if you haven't already begun to choose today to press on into 2022 by faithfully, number one, actively living on mission. You've got to make it a priority. It has to, listen, if it's not a priority, you won't do it. You're just not going to do it. You've got to choose every day when you head out of your house, friend, and even while you're inside the house, I'm, I'm going to be on mission. I'm going to live today in such a way, reaching, teaching, and encouraging. Number two, acknowledging and obeying God's specific will. Pray and say, God, well, God, put me where you want me to be. Guide my feet. Guide my steps. And then, God, what do you want me to do there? I don't want to just drive in a circle all my life. I want to accomplish something for Jesus Christ. And then number three, God, I, we, God, I live in such a culture that I am just, just bombarded constantly by self and selfishness. And everything's got to be comfortable, and everything's got to be convenient. Or, or I'm not going to have any part. God, I'm going to push all that away. No matter what I have to do, no matter how inconvenient it is, God, I want to be faithful to what you've called me to do in these days. And I pray, friend, that Philippians 2.5 will be a verse that guides you, not only today, but in the coming year. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Can you really say before the Lord today, and honestly, that every day it's a priority to live on mission? Can you really say that before me? As a child of God, you've been saved. You know there's a moment that you've repented and trusted Jesus to be Lord of your life. Can you really say with all your heart, every day I'm endeavoring, to live on mission. And if not, friend, commit to do it. Again, we'll give you the training if you haven't had it. We, we spent about seven or eight weeks uh, in the fall going through, and, and we'll do it in private. See, I just don't know how to share my faith. Get in touch with us. We'll, we'll train you in how you can share your faith with other people. But it begins by you laying your life at the feet of Jesus and say every day, all day, God, I'm going to live on mission before you. Does God really have your calendar, every bit of it? Can you really say every day and in all ways, I'm seeking to know God's specific will for my life in the smallest details, where he wants me to be, where he wants me to, 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 to what he wants me to be doing. There's nothing compartmentalized that's off limits. He has it all. That's all for his glory. Number three, can you really say, again, comfort and convenience I may think about it, but they bear no impact upon my life. Whatever God calls me to do, I'll do it, no matter how hard or how difficult, because I believe with all my heart by faith, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Father, I pray that you'll speak to your church today. God, I pray that if you're not finding us faithfully doing what you've called us to do away from the church house, that's being deployed on mission. God, you'll overwhelm us today. You'll convict us. And we'll choose to lay our life at your feet like Paul did, like Priscilla and Aquila did, like Apollos did. And God, we'll have that kind of impact on the lives of others. And Father, it's my prayer that if there's one among us today who's never been saved, there's never been a moment where they've begun to walk with you because they've never been born again, Right now, God, they'll choose to turn from sin and self and trust Jesus to be Lord of their life. 
God, I pray they'll tell you so just like this from the depths of their heart that wants to repent of all their sin and turn to you in saving faith and trust you to be Lord of their life. I pray they'll pray just like this from their heart. God, forgive me a sinner. I turn from my sin. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he rose from the grave. And I want Jesus to live in my heart and be Lord of me and make me into the person that he wants me to be, to know his word and to be a doer of it. That's my prayer. Father, other decisions may need to be made here today. Father, maybe a brother, sister in Christ, they can't serve you faithfully because they've backslid out of fellowship. They need revival. God, they're riding the fence. They're trying to be worldly on one hand and then at church stand for you. Father, I pray you'll convict them of the confusion that their witness is creating. God, I pray they'll choose today to put aside all worldliness, all sin, repent, be restored to you in a right relationship, and leave this place revived today. Other decisions, you speak to our heart, I pray we'll be obedient. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Let's reverently stand to our feet. Heads are bowed.